I think it is. Wow. Wow. Hello, everyone. This is Moments of Maxine show, and we have the fantastic Chad Walkenden. Thank you. Hello. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I've been really looking forward for you to come on the show as well. Um, so, Chad, explain, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, explain mm. who you are for those who might not know who mm. you are and what you're about. I'm sure most of you can already tell from my accent that I'm not from the UK. Like, I need to be mindful of how I speak so I can so people understand me. I was just in Atlanta yesterday and people kept on saying, what? What? Like, no one could understand what I was talking about. So there's one thing. I'm from Australia. Uh, the other thing would be that my training in, in, in the past, I'm a forensic qualified forensic social worker and from there there's a there's a shift that I took in terms of what the direction in my life and also my professional life was going to look like and I guess that was triggered yeah it was triggered from a st the diagnosis of a stage four cancer so I think like for me my story like my qualifications and and what I do is is super important and if we're going to get to stress it's, it's particularly important because any stressor that I'm able to face, I'm able to see an opportunity to then be able to utilize that to then support and empower our elders and then, you know, really understand what's going on for me in a way where then I can feed it back into other people. And I think that's been super helpful in terms of creating a lens and a filter from the challenges and stresses that I've been facing to be able to go, whoa, actually, you know, this is, there's a lot of vulnerability for me. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of stress. But how can I utilize my own experiences with my professional experiences to then create something better for someone else? So I think like in terms of who I am, like I wake up, it's a cliche, but I'm I'm fully committed with blinkers on to create something amazing for other people. That's that's absolutely amazing. It sounds like you've gone through an absolute load of things in the past few years. So mm. just taking it back when when did you find out that you had a diagnosis of cancer like what yeah good question so i moved from australia when i was like 27 28 and the intention of coming over here was to get some overseas experience be able to travel around europe and utilize london as a base it was the end of the gfc so when i got here it was just like gloom and doom similar to at the moment with brexit but just like a different issue right um and so it was like okay maybe instead of going for this something which is temporary, go get some permanence and meet some friends and understand culture a little bit more, et cetera. So I got a job in the UK and I settled here for four years. And yeah, there was a lot of changes that are occurring. There's never like a right time, like for anything, right? But uh, there, was, there, was some, there was some symptoms or some possible signs but you would never think that it's going to be a stage four cancer. Uh, and that was just like a little bit of fatigue and my throat got a little bit sore, et cetera. And then, yeah, there was, there was a time in January of 2014 when I got rushed to hospital in the morning and to cut, like I was in hospital for three days. I didn't tell like people what would get, like, what was going on for me. So the people I used to live with, I said my workmates were with me, my workmates, I said my other mates were with me. I don't know. It was just like where I was processing it as a young man and, you know, not really having the skills that I have now and not really being able to, f not, not faced, not have faced like a significant trauma before 
in my life and I guess I wasn't equipped like many people aren't and then through my experiences uh, I guess I'm in a different situation but yeah it was early January got rushed to hospital and you know five days later there was a big mass that was found in front of me inside of me not in front of me so I had a stage four cancer which was 20 centimeters by 15 centimeters uh, that was growing inside of me yeah so that was the first that was the first round of it from there I started I had a terminal diagnosis so I had a life expectancy of under 24 months uh, I was on the highest tier of pension in my country so I wanted to stay in the UK and kind of do it for myself and I was committed to getting back to work over here a few circumstances occurred which I won't get into and yeah I decided to go home best for my climate and be back with my family like I was quite dependent in a lot of ways just because of my, mobi my mobility and the pain that I was that I had yeah. and it was really at that time where I was like kind of looking for that opportunity that I've spoken about uh, then since then I had I had a second reoccurrence a first reoccurrence the first reoccurrence was the size of an orange so it grew back and so the adrenal gland is meant to be like the size of a pea my first one was like the size of a football the second one was the size of an orange and then it brought some friends back so it was two here one here and this one here uh, and then my mum got diagnosed two months after that with stage three bowel cancer and then a year later I got re-diagnosed again and that's when I had an inoperable diagnosis um, so yeah destined for palliative care but I was yeah, very fortunate to kind of get into a different trial after that and there's a lot of other things that went on and I know I'm talking too much so I'll put it over to you yeah. no, you're not talking too much at all you're not like it's absolutely well I think we're all very much privileged to actually have you here on the show so what is thank it you done to overcome all of that and how are you like managing how did you manage all of that like on a sort of a psychological yeah it's a really good point and I like to I like to make the quote of this boxer and his name's Vinny I can't remember his last name though and it's a really powerful statement that he makes and I guess this isn't what everyone wants to hear but it's all I had to do and it was easy to do and it was easy if you know why you're doing something mm -hmm. and then every decision is okay like if you've got a vulnerability and a thirst to live mm -hmm. things that may be seen as well that would be so difficult to manage those lifestyle changes that you've had obviously no one talks like that but you get what i mean like oh i can't believe you're doing this or i can't believe you're doing that and you know you take such discipline but there's self-talk that's been instilled and conditioned into my mind and into my thinking that i need to be able to live and if that's going to be my first principle and is my first principle is about living well then all these other things just are secondary and they're just they're just okay i can just do do them now that doesn't mean it's easy to do because discipline is never easy discipline doesn't get easy you can do these little hacks but it's never easy like there's still moments when this thing just wants to tell me have a day off man you know you deserve it you've done this and it's it's continuously mm. it's it's continuously at you until you train it i i like to think of your mind like a dog and you can go to a dog exercise park with a trained dog and that'll stay by you and it'll you'll have so much more fun with it and you, it can even be tempted by other dogs to go play etc but if it's trained that dog will stay with you the dog will have a better time and then you will have a better time now i'm not saying that your mind has a better time but if you take an untrained dog to the park 
that's just going to run around. It's going to bark. It's not going to come back to you. And that's the difference. If you're able to control this and you're able to train this, you then have a trained dog. And anyone who's had anyone who has a trained dog knows the joys and how much you know how much better it is compared to someone who you know pisses in the house and someone who bites people and someone who barks consistently. That's your mind if it's not trained. It's that disobedient and it's that untrained dog. So that's yeah, that's kind of how I think about it. So what tips would you give to people in terms of training your mindset? I would say that they're in this day and age, the amount of information that is out there and the capacity to connect with the most amazing people is just so accessible and it's yeah. your choice for what you do with your time. Mm -hmm. Like there was a, a massive change in my life was connecting with some of my idols and some of these people that I look up to for a number of different reasons and just con continuously putting this in my mind because you've got to feed it. Like I said before about the dog, this doesn't just work for you all of a sudden. Like it's a process, a daily process, daily process, daily process. Mm -hmm. And as much as it takes to build these strong foundations in your life and in your thinking, it's very easy for them to crumble and take away as well. Think about when you take something new up. Like I'm sure you like, or people out here at the moment, it would be something to think about as you're listening in. But there would have been, like we're five months into the year. So many of you out there would have been like, okay, this year I want to do X, Y, and Z. And you probably would have stuck at it for a period of time. Then it may have got wet and you didn't go out. You may have got an injury, which is normal. Like there's these things like what I call life just gets in the way. Yeah. And when they get in the way, it's very easy for these habits to slip out. So then we lose two months, then we lose four months, and then we lose five years. And we're like, damn, still wish I played piano. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But it's just continuous you got to keep at it. And if keeping at it is linked to a first principle, now not everyone is going to be, not everyone would have had the circumstances where they were as desperate as my, as me. Um, you know, and that desperation was, it was, was, was a vulnerability. And that vulnerability was, I fucking want to live and I need to be here. And if mm -hmm. that's what it's about, well then these other decisions just come in and, yeah, I'm speaking about it very easy, right? Like it's, but the process comes from exploring and sitting with your pain and mm. sitting with your fears mm. and wrestling with this thing because it's going to, like it's going to, something's going to occur and it's probably happened for you, a lot of you today or recently where, you know, we get an event in our mind or, you know, there's a reaction to something and it won't then just pop out as a thought and I like to use this because this is where it all happens for me this side's like creation and this side is more light uh, whereas this is like heavy and that's why I always shift between sides and it'll be interesting to see if people resonate with that and I guess I've only got an understanding about that from staring at a ceiling feeling nauseous from chemotherapy for two years every day not having a tunnel at the end of the light to be Chad you just got to get through 12 and then it's finished Mine was you're taking a form of chemotherapy which is very toxic. Mm. You need to take it for a minimum. You're not meant to be here longer than two years, but if you are, you need to be on this for five years. And it wasn't psychological, oh, I feel fatigued. It was like I am nauseous every day. Yeah. I am fatigued every day. Like I couldn't I couldn't work for that for that period of time that I was on chemo. Um 
And what I did was I was lonely, I was desperate, and I would stare at a ceiling while I'd do my yoga every day and I'd listen to these people. So it was coming into my mind. And I used to describe a submarine that would explore the depths of this dark place. Now, not a dark place is in terms of I had a mental illness or I was thinking about suicide. It was just the reality and the nature of the mind to create these very disturbing images, which I actually call like a fantasy. So something pops up because there's it's normal for a vulnerability to then turn into a fear. Because if you're faced with the terminal diagnosis, of course, there's going to be thoughts. Am I going to be here? Well, what's kind of going on? And despite having this solid mindset, there's cracks. You feel something here, it triggers a thought. That thought then multiplies and then it multiplies. And the next thing you know, you're you're so desperate to be here. So many people are so desperate with these conditions illnesses and circumstances that they face which it takes away life which they which they want right Mm -hmm. but they ever stay stuck in the future i.e a fantasy about what happens what happens what happens or they stay stuck in the past and throughout that whole time you sacrifice now so i want to live i want to live i want to live but i'm stuck somewhere else yeah right and it's normal to do that at the start But then you've got to identify, recognize, and be able to go, well, well, hang on. The biggest thing I want is life, but I'm not actually living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us how you started to embrace life then because. Yeah, good point. You know, to me, I mean, you look healthy to me, but I'm not a medical I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I was just wondering if there anything else that you've done, you know, health-wise to be in the position that you're in now. Oh, like I've continuously, and to this day, there's there's probably like two hours of work I continuously do on myself, and I see there's a progression. So anyone who wants to start out there, like some of these things that I'm talking about probably – you know, they, they make a little bit of sense, but it's kind of like, well, how do I do that? And it is, it's probably, it's, it's probably difficult to get to that stage. I was fortunate that I'd already worked with people to be able to support them through traumas and through different challenges. Like I work, as you know, like I, I, in the past, I worked in a child protection role and there's some fairly, you know, fairly challenging circumstances that you have to face uh, in terms of abuse and neglect, mental illnesses, drug use, addiction, etc. Uh, and then I worked in the court as well. And there's very there's, there's a lot of challenges. So already there was a bit of an advantage in like, okay, I've already worked with people this way. Now I need to see myself as my first client. Yeah. And by taking that approach then allows, you know, the opportunity. So rather than the agitation and the stress, it's, okay, I can do this. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just tricking with yourself, like just playing with yourself to try to get the outcome that you need to get. Mm-hmm. And so the first place that I start is movement and nutrition because it's the easiest thing to control. Like a lot of people in mass media and Instagram wants to make out that eating and movement's hard, but they are the easiest things to control first up because mm-hmm. in a world where everyone lives in uncertainty, but if you have heightened uncertainty, that uncertainty creates anxiety. And that uncertainty creates fear and that uncertainty creates stress. Yeah. You, know, you know, in terms of family, 
in terms of finances, in terms of health, and in terms of existence itself. Like there's a lot of uncertainty associated with that. So if there's uncertainty, of course there's going to be challenges. So what we need to be able to do and what you need to be able to do is create some certainty. And the only way you can create certainty is by regaining control. And what I thought was the best way to control small aspects of my mind, because if you're going to tackle this thing, cancer, it's like, where do I start? Super overwhelming. You're already, you know, got a disadvantage because you're feeling nauseous. (laughs) You're fatigued. Your finances and your identities shifted from a person who's choosing to live in London and you know, very, very fortunate in many ways and very privileged to be able to do that to then being the guy with cancer and the guy with a stage four cancer. Mm. So the identity shift that occurs there is significant because you don't know your place. Like, mm. so where do I fit? And, you know, it's very easy for your mind to make comparisons. Oh, I see what such and such is doing now and I see what such and such is doing now. But that's never going to take you anywhere. You've got to be grateful and gratitude that people are moving forward and then be able to see that you're in a situation. And Yeah, sorry, I keep on talking. So, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, honestly, yeah. honestly like, just listening to everything you're saying, and I'm sure that people are connecting with what it is that you're saying, mm. maybe giving themselves an actual chance, an opportunity to reflect what, what's gone in their lives and how they can actually, you know, mm. face things in a mm. different way. Yeah. Um, but and I think, yeah, I think it's about what are your foundations? So what are foundations of life? Like how are you sleeping? Are you moving on a daily basis or are you moving four to five times a week? And mm. is that movement getting your heart rate pumping? Are you feeling better about yourself because you're moving? What sort of fuel are you putting into your body? And how much work are you doing on this? Now, if you don't have those four foundations in place, it's then very hard to get to that next level, which is then unpacking values and beliefs and thoughts and fears because Mm. already there's an instability. Mm. So you need to be at the most optimal level to then tackle what's important. And generally, you've got like the noisy neighbour upstairs. So this person just yells and yells and yells and wants all the attention, right, because it's just like constantly trapped. And then you've got your heart and then you've got your gut. And it's where the people connect on those three different levels. Mm. So for me as a guy, I can't talk about females, like I can't, but I would say that you're more attuned to your heart generally, like you, you'd be more attuned. But as a guy, it was just dealing with my noisy head upstairs mm. and then needing to go through a process where discovering and finding that, wow, okay, what's actually missing is, is love. Yeah. And how can I tap into that? Well, how can I firstly love myself because I'm putting up barriers and testing a lot of people around me because mm-hmm. of these circumstances and overloading? And it's a way of testing people. Like when you've got something, you want to know, does this person kind of have my back? But we don't have the skills to kind of say that. So we go about things in a weird way where really it's like, hey, <laughs> I need someone yeah. and I need myself and I want to, I want you to connect with me, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I think for a guy particularly, like that was super important to then connecting and like thinking about love and how then that can be, like I talk about these first principles. And if you use love as a first principle, well, then you think about what place fear has in, in that. You know, and that's a, that's a challenge to be able to then turn fear around. 
So then it's about unpacking that and creating a new construction for what you can do to then put that in something which will then be in accordance to love. Mm. And one of the best things for that is gratitude. You know, it's a super powerful emotion, mm. but it also needs to validate the challenge because you can, like I think if there's, if, if you're going to be looking at something, you can't skip over the significant challenge that you're facing because that needs and that requires validation. So you need to validate the struggle and you need to validate the challenge to create an alternate story. Mm-hmm. Then you need to believe that alternate story. And when I'm talking about alternate stories, if just to explain, it's just a way of thinking in our values and beliefs. So mm-hmm. the story is a thought that we have. Um, but all I'm talking about is that we need to create an alternate story for that. So it's you know from from something which is called a reframe but then there's important piece which you need to connect because if you simply say, for instance, these are my circumstances, um, you're faced with cancer at the moment, or my husband is very abusive towards me. Yeah. Oh, he's going to change. You know, like if you just do that, you don't really believe it all the yeah. time and it's not super powerful because it doesn't connect with I feel that I deserve more, I feel trapped in these circumstances, I'm not sure how to get out. I want to get out, but I don't feel empowered enough. Yeah. And I'm stuck here. Like you're kind of saying a bit of a similar thing, but you're able to you're able to add more detail and context to it. So it's something that you can believe. Now this doesn't exist straight away because there's one story that we create, i.e., yeah. this guy's bashing me or you know, whatever it's gonna be. Then you need to validate and create the new one. So then you've got a choice which one you can create. And then there's going to be obstacles and barriers to then make this story be the one that you live by. Mm. So it's like there's a process that you need to undertake and it takes significant amount of vulnerability with yourself, honesty, discipline, and then, you know, the real requirement to do work. I did a post recently and it was something along the lines of if you're scoring your stress so it's so it's unique to you as well so it's not like oh this guy had cancer so now my stress is insignificant it's not that at all you've got a significant stress that's in your life and that is significant and if you scale that say eight upwards you need to be doing at least 10 minutes a day on yourself Mm. that could be journaling that could be listening to information that could be connecting with one of us that could then be seeking out a friend like there's many ways that you need to be doing this work to focus on yourself because if these are significant challenges and significant stresses but there's no action taken, you're not doing anything to move yourself out of that situation. Mm. And generally, time won't change it because not half, like I believe like 80% or more of what we do is just based on patterns and patterns govern and dictate our relationships. Think about your partner at the moment or your son or your daughter. Like you have, there's rules of engagement that you, you're going to go on. Mm. And it's about creating those alternate patterns because if you don't, you get someone who goes to rehab, right? They go into rehab for a period of time. They then go on a, uh, they go on a journey of self-discovery. They make all these amazing changes while they're in there. They absorb the information. They connect with new people. They get empowered and supported through the process that they get in there. But their family members 
rightfully so as well, because they've gone through a lot of challenges and traumas themselves. And there's not only one story of seeing this, but they are fearful, they're anxious, they're stressed, so they've got their own way that they're going to deal with that. But most likely this is going to trigger the response and the behaviour because often it's not the addiction that's the problem. The addiction is just the consequence of what's going on internally and they've worked out this is what I do to deal with it and this is how I cope and this is what I do to escape. Yeah. So if you take someone from this environment without the support and without a discharge plan or without how you're going to bring them back into community and create purpose and value and create a new story for them, the patterns that they're in, whether it's family or peer group, are going to lead to this influence and it's going to trigger the behaviour again. Yeah. So you've got to look at how we can change that. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating. Yeah. So you said so much there, so I'm going to have to pick out a few bits and pieces. Yeah, so sure. about obviously you went on this journey, self-discovery journey of being able to obviously love yourself so you could, you know, find love in others. Have you found that love? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting married in in October. So, yeah, very lucky, very fortunate. She's amazing. That's, that's absolutely fantastic. And congratulations to you. Thank you. And share with us a little bit how your experiences of having uh, stage four cancer is now actually helping you to help others? Mm, that's a very good point. That's a very, very good point. And, yeah, like I would never want to take this path, you know, but I can't change the path. And it's wholly not about me really. It's not It's more about you think about what your mum or my mum had to go through and you think about what my family and some of my mates had to go through and the concern and worry. And that's that's not the avenue you want to take to be able to get to a better position. So if there's other things in life for people at the moment, you want to be able to respond earlier than rather coming down with something where it's like you're going to die. Because if you don't respond and you don't change, you're going to die. But I saw it, like as I said at the start, it took me it took me six months to be able to work out what this light bulb moment was going to be and i didn't know what it was going to be there was a lot of change like i talk about the cycle of change so everyone goes through change in a certain process regardless of what we're trying to look at right but there's i believe that there's a different cycle of change for people with something like cancer because there's a number of different variables that the average person doesn't have to face and that's the accelerated pace of change it's the consequence associated with the change there's another thing that slipped my mind sorry but it's um but it's very different to how other people kind of go oh, i should probably stop eating chocolate you know but you don't stop eating chocolate and it's okay because it's kind of normal it's not linked to any you know it's linked to health outcomes and body image and health and other other factors as well but in that moment, there's not there's not a belief that this is going to lead to my death, right? So there's a difference. Um, so there was all these changes that I under, um, that I that I went through, and I guess the best way to describe it is that you get kind of pushed into it as well. So you get diagnosed with something, and it's like, whoa, my life's got to change. I've got to do this, this, and this, and this, and this. But at the same time, you're kind of like, I used to like having a beer, you know. <laughs> I used to like kind of these aspects of life. 
And it's yeah. like this process where you're pushing to change, but half of you are still back there looking back, but going, hey, so there's a lot of loss associated with that change to start. And then there's the process that you need to get through where you're now in a position where you can move forward. So for me, there was there was a lot, it, it was completely influenced by, I need to get through this, I'm gonna get through this. I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but I was gonna try everything and everything. And so when you said, what have I done? <laughs> like, I've done, every different diet, like I now have things that I do and I now, I can answer the question, I do this because, whereas beforehand, and I think that's so important and this is a good take home point for anyone, in terms of decisions that you're gonna make, it's why do you do it? And if you can answer that question, I do this because, you're then empowered in your life and you've got that little bit of control. Because at the yeah. start, you're just gonna take information and advice from others and be like, okay, this, this guy's told me to do it, I've gotta do it, I've gotta cut out gluten, I've gotta cut out meat and I've gotta do this, you know, and then, but you're not really answering the question of, I'm doing this because. Mm. And so there was all these things that I was blogging about, I started, I started blogging anonymously, and I still haven't shared that with anyone to this day, um, and, there was some rituals that I created. So I created rules from the very beginning that I wasn't allowed to watch TV throughout the day. I had to read X amount of books. I had to do a certain amount of writing, etc. And it was through creating those rules that I ended up, I already knew what I wanted to do. So I was diagnosed at 29, so 30, and I already knew that I loved working with people. And I thought I had a talent and a skill at that. And I wanted to continue in that path. And so a lot of the things that I was going on, I started developing this model and this model, but it was more just like, didn't mean anything and I didn't know where it was going to go. And then I started sharing some thoughts with some people, particularly when I came back to the UK. So I came back to the UK for 12 weeks and there were some people that I spoke to over here and they both had personal experiences with cancer. And some of the things that I was saying, they were like, wow, have you shared this with anyone else before? And I was like, what do, you, like, what do you mean? And they're like, you talk about it a bit differently to other people. And I was like, I didn't see it. I didn't, it was just things that were coming to me and I didn't recognize it and I didn't know that it was anything different because I didn't know what was expected. It was all sort of first time for me. But it was kind of like I was searching for something. I was trying these different fasts. I was trying these new ways of eating. I was, you know, like just vulnerability, right? I need to live. And then that just dictated my whole life. Like I talk about that being beamed on a wall and you've got a pie chart and 100% of that was cancer, right? So that's never a good way to look at it because if your life is 100% committed by something, I want it to be committed, I want it to be directed and focused all around life, not by cancer. So it's a significant shift, right? So the doctor is gonna focus on your cancer and you're gonna be seen as the cancer. Whereas I straight up always and always will see the person, mm. right? So there's a big, difference that there is the person first it's like that humanistic uh, influence which always centers around seeing the person for who the person is and that goes into different areas as well about how someone talks about themselves if we start looking at guilt and shame etc right but just staying on this train, train of thought that I'm on at the moment it was utilizing some of like this this urge that I had to do something and I called a cancer charity in Australia, because some of the research that I've been seeing before I started coming home was about the impact that significant illnesses have on carers, as many of you would know, mm. because the stress that's associated with it. So I called up the equivalent of our McMillan, and I was just inquiring about what would be available for my mum 
and they offered some cancer, um, some counseling sessions outside of the home. And I thought that was okay, but I didn't think it was adequate. I'd been in families' homes and I'd been in co-departmental cases where it was like there's a lot of resources that can go into some families and there's a better way of working. Like my dad, what well, he doesn't he's not suffering as a female as a male. Like he goes about it differently, but he was, you know, impacted, but there was no and what of you know, for myself as well, like I was doing fairly well and I was already trying to work on myself then, but there was nothing offered to me. Um when I asked at the end, so if someone was in my circumstances, not for myself, but if someone was in my circumstances, what options would be available? And this is five years ago now as well. So things have definitely changed and it's moving in the right direction. It's very good to see. But back then, there wasn't anything available. Um, and there were two universities that were starting this program or two different aspects of program, but it wasn't what I thought was required. And I just like literally had like the purpose was ignited Again, it sounds like a cliche, but it, it was like there was just like this, wow, this is what I've got to do. I said, thank you. And I just started writing and I wrote like a 10,000 word thesis. And then I got it validated, you know, in 2014 from an associate professor at a university at home. And then I just went through this process of testing it and testing it and testing it, getting peer reviewed, getting it in front of people, getting it in front of people with cancer. Hey, this is where I'm at. What do you guys think? Do you connect with it? Uh, took it to university because I thought it was also important to not be the guy saying this is what I did so you need to do that like I don't believe that's the way either there's like hey these are some key ideas that I think are important for everyone um, regardless of what cancer you had or you have yeah. and we need to tr we need to treat and we need to see the person um, but to do that it wasn't like Chad's plan and live Chad's life it was like okay how do we how do we get some other validation and how do we out how are we able to test this and get this into, and straight up, like the first, when I went to the university, what they said was true. It was like, you've just got to go out and run this because it's going to evolve and it's going to get better. And it only got better by going out and testing it and going, oh, okay, this isn't going to work. Oh, this is, and just evolving, evolving, evolving until I had this, yeah, program that I, that I ran. And then, yeah, from creating that cancer program and, doing the testing and working with people, I then, because I didn't post, I didn't, I wasn't on socials at all. Like I was, I was very private about what, what I was going through. Yeah. In many ways, my, my motivation to now go on socials and my motivation back then was to actually <laughs> provide some evidence that I had cancer because I didn't, I never really looked like uh, the person that belonged there um, in many ways. So I didn't, and there was some. There were some people back then that had, um, you know, their reasons for kind of promoting different things wasn't aligned with how I wanted to do it. And I always want to be super authentic. I know it's cliche, but I always want to be able to say, "This is why I'm the way I am, and this is what I'm about," and be able to just declare that and be able to share that with people. I'm still kind of learning how to go about socials and talk about myself, etc. Um, I don't think I've got that right at the moment, but I just try to put things out there in a way which I can talk about and to anyone and I'm not going to be able to go, well, actually, I didn't mean that. It's like okay, everything I'm saying and everything I've done is what I've done and what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of guys come to me um, for mental health support and they were like, we want you to kind of work with us. And I was like, oh, no, but I'm doing the cancer thing. Now, this was my thinking at the start and at 
occurred over time, particularly as you know, starting a business, there was like, this is what I want to do, but there was this emerging area of work that continued to grow. And one of my advisors was like, you need to create a model and you need to put your results into something that you can teach. So I thought the best way to do that was to go back to my people that I'd worked with. And generally the people that I go into their lives, we become we become good friends. Like I I don't have that approach like I used to have in government that it was one side. Like in, you know, there was like the famous cup of tea that you learn you learn in university. You go into someone's house and you're not, you're not meant to take a cup of tea. I'm like, hell yeah, give me the cup of tea, you know, like because it creates connection rather than this difference that I'm not going to share anything. So that was one of the biggest shifts I made was, hey, I'm going to bring myself into this as well. And I think that was pivotal. And it's not this is where you're going. This is where we go together because confidentiality with my clients, I share some really deep shit, you know, and I go into a really, I go where, where and when required to go to the level that connects us together and that they see, wow, this guy's kind of got me and he's got my back and I matter. And because a lot of people I work with, I think they don't have that belief mm. like I didn't. So I allow them to leverage off my belief to move forward. Um, and, yeah, so I, I went to all these different people that I had worked with and didn't give them any information at all. It was like I just want you to order one to five out of all the strategies we did what was most important. And it spoke for itself. It was just like, this is what I've got to focus on and this is what I've got to work because there's no way they can connect and talk to one another. But all these strategies were like, wow, this so helped us, this helped us, this was really important. And they numbered it. And it kind of then my model was, I've got a separate model. Um, and, yeah, it was kind of created from going back and forward with my clients. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Wow. Wow. That's really, really amazing. I was just noticing the time, kind of got a little bit over, but that's completely fine. But if there was... Yeah, talk. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. You, you've given really good content and, you know, I really, really appreciate that. But just if there was one thing that you could um, tell the audience, any tips, any lasting, just one last thought to share with the audience before we end the show. Mm, very good. What are, it's, a nice, it's a really great question, really great question, really great question. I would say, I would say do everything you can to take control of your life. Mm. And that would mean educating yourself, you know, looking at different sources of information and focusing on, you know, what is important and what gives to you and what you can give as well and that comes back to that idea about you know who you're spending time with and what you're you know kind of focusing on but you know there's a there's something that i've been reading about you know and, and seeing pop up on the internet quite a lot and it's like um health is the new wealth giving's the new job like i can't remember exactly but going all in it's it's worth it to go in uh, on something you believe super strongly about mm. Probably not that strong. I'm sorry, you kind of stumped me, but I think, yeah, it's a really good. It's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think just to try and encapsulate what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that don't give up on your goals, don't give up on your dreams. Have self care, love yourself, and mm. remember 
the foundations. If you've got, if you haven't got a strong foundation, then you know you can't build upon that. And that's something that I really took out yeah. of what what you were saying, and and mm. actually take care of you know your health in terms of you know by exercise and uh, your diet, but also as well. Uh, with your mindset and the self-talk that you have to yourself and mm. to be willing to be able to actually acknowledge your thoughts, your feelings, don't ignore your body, don't ignore yourself because mm. if if you allow stressors to manifest within you, then it can actually be something else it can end up being stress can end up then resulting to be something much bigger um, yeah yeah um, i agree it's a very good summary and yeah i would also say yeah dream on. dream like dream have have dreams not subconscious ones that you sleep but dare to dream and don't cap it that's what i would say probably no cap no cap no cap yeah caps off <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> cap's off, yeah take the cap off and um thank you chad so much for coming on the show thank you i really really appreciate it and i hope the audience have taken something from it today um and if you want to put any sort of messages or you know if you're catching a replay please put some messages and uh, i'm sure we'll get back to you and chad if you want to like share your you know, your information, like on social media and stuff like that, just put that on, give it to me and I'll put it on for you. And then Yeah, sure, yeah. People can connect with me at Chad Walkerton. So yeah. Chad Walkerton on Instagram, Chad Walkerton on LinkedIn and Chad Walkerton on Facebook. Come and say hello. Um, I always engage, as I said before, like one of the things that I did but I probably should have done more, like I'd be chasing people down to say you know what do i do and like let's connect and yeah. i do that like people who reach out to me i connect with them because it's something that i believe in it's something that i want to do and you know it's all it's all done from a very good place of trying to reach out and support people so send yeah. a private message and say what's going on you know like it's there most people want to help i think um and if they don't they're the wrong person <laughs> you know like there yeah. should be a genuine genuine want and a genuine desire to be able to help and particularly if there's some sort of injustice and there's a barrier or difficulty with accessing services you not, not not know where to start like reach out there's a lot of people out there both of us would be able to support you with that so that's what i would encourage you to do all right well thank you so much thanks uh, thank, thank you for watching and we are now going to end the show so goodbye everyone awesome Thank Bye. you so much.